Hello, and welcome to the second episode of my podcast, where I'm tackling some of the conceptual issues in applying the trauma lens to the cancer experience, specifically PTSD. My name is Hannah, and today I will be talking about the so-called risk factors, which appear to confer vulnerability to developing PTSD symptoms following cancer. As briefly mentioned in the previous episode, according to the latest version of the DSM-5, as a change occurred from the DSM-4, a cancer diagnosis does not automatically qualify as a traumatic stressor. Only in those patients where extreme adverse events took place and six additional symptoms are present, a diagnosis of cancer-related PTSD can be given, which has a profound influence on the assessment of cancer-related PTSD in clinical practice as well as in scientific studies. We also concluded that a precise clinical assessment is a necessity, as it is an extremely important, yet very sophisticated task to distinguish between cancer-related PTSD and common differential diagnosis, like adjustment disorder or other mood disorders. These comorbid psychiatric disorders greatly influence survival rate, adherence to treatment, and quality of life. Although depression, anxiety, distress, and PTSD have been identified as potentially relevant to overall survival and certainly to health-related quality of life, they have not yet been integrated into risk assessment, clinical trial design, and patient management. Many experts agree that the path to a proper diagnosis and treatment for any comorbid psychiatric disease regarding oncological patients should take a thorough and careful consideration of both physical and psychosocial factors throughout all phases of the disease continuum. This, of course, calls for the previously mentioned holistic view of the patient's health and an integrative view on cancer care. And while cancer care has become highly specialized and is becoming increasingly personalized, it is undeniable that the primary care force, for example, is still responsible for a major role in the diagnosis of cancer and the care of patients. One of the major clusters of information which could highly benefit not just all potential and actual patients and cancer survivors, but also experts and primary care professionals in the context of prevention of PTSD development, but also in the process of screening for an already underlying condition, is about the risk factors associated with developing PTSD. Having evidence-based information regarding which conditions can considerably contribute to the development of PTSD in the oncological journey is important, not only because the presence of PTSD can have a direct negative impact on cancer treatment, decreases the quality of life of these patients, but also because of the high comorbidity with other disorders, especially depression, which can become an issue even a long time after a patient has survived cancer. Recent findings published by a group of young researchers from Slovakia about the PTSD development in cancer patients and survivors, depending on various factors shown, 
that surviving other traumas or experiencing permanent stress are the two major risk factors for PTSD development. From the perspective of personality traits, a higher level of neuroticism has been shown to be the strongest PTSD predictor, as it is also known that people expressing higher level of neuroticism react on the demanding life events in a less appropriate manner and are more prone to development of higher levels of distress. Neuroticism also appears to be an important personality trait in managing one's cancer. Patients with higher neuroticism are worse at coping with their situation and experience more psychological as well as somatic difficulties. Cognitive impairment is another variable that is likely to play an important part in PTSD development. We can think of the relationship between cognitive impairment and PTSD from three different perspectives. Cognitive impairment in patients with cancer could occur as a consequence of this treatment, especially a side effect of chemotherapy, when so-called chemo brain is present. In this case, we could regard cognitive deficits as a risk factor of PTSD, since the pre-existing cognitive impairment increases vulnerability for PTSD development. Another perspective is that cognitive deficits could mediate the relationship between sudden loss, loss incurring life events and PTSD, and also the relationship between neuroticism and PTSD. The accumulated stress could impair cognitive functions, for example, by long-term exposure to higher levels of glucocorticoids that are potentially leading to losses in neuronal connections in certain areas of the brain. For example, hippocampus individuals with higher neuroticism are more prone to experiencing cognitive deficits. Uh, the third perspective is that cognitive deficits are a cons consequence of the PTSD, as there exists some evidence that PTSD is associated with damage in certain parts of the brain. For example, again, the hippocampus, the prefrontal cortex, locus coralis, etc., that are known to be related to attention or memory. Higher levels of PTSD were found to be more frequent in women, individuals with lower social support, of course, and individuals who reported the presence of another mental disorder in their personal anamnesis, as well as their family history. In this context of prevention of PTSD development, the findings of the study mentioned above suggest that cancer survivors who are less than six months after being diagnosed by cancer, called in the acute phase of survivorship, should be encouraged to include more interventions that are more focused on reducing current psychological distress as prevention of PTSD development. In cancer survivors who are more than six months after being diagnosed by cancer or in the extended phase of survivorship, how we can call it, it could be appropriate to include intervention strategies that focus on the patient's personality, for example, to reduce negative effects of neuroticism. In cancer survivors, the intervention could be designed to provide social support, example, to support groups, but also improve coping strategies to teach them to effectively seek social support, for instance, for instance, in relatives, friends, caregivers. 
these all could be protective factors of PTSD development and also reduce the effect of other stressful events on PTSD in these cancer survivors. Regarding the issue of cognitive deficits in PTSD, there is a space for the implementation of various cognitive programs focused on memory or attention training. Cognitive functions could also be improved through various, uh, various uh, cognitive behavioral therapy procedures, cognitive training, or neurofeedback therapy. Improving individual cognitive functions could also prove helpful in the process of consolidating traumatic experiences and memories. For patients who are shortly after being diagnosed by cancer, the interventions focused on reducing currently experienced psychological distress can be more suitable. On the other hand, for patients who are aware of their cancer for a longer time, individual psychotherapy focused on the regulation of selected personality traits can be more effective. The fact that higher social support is usually a protective factor for the impact of other stressful events on cancer-related PTSD can encourage cancer survivors to seek social support or cancer support groups. Last but not least, being informed that perceived cognitive impairment can be caused by PTSD could reduce the related anxiety of cancer survivors. Nonetheless, this assumption needs to be further supported by additional research on the topic. In conclusion, cancer survivors can suffer from several psychosocial symptoms a long time after being diagnosed by cancer, and PTSD can be one of these issues. Studying the mechanism of PTSD development, exploring the topic of combinations of individual risk factors in future research, can thus offer us not only new possibilities to explore in future research, but also lead to practical knowledge. Thank you for listening, and please join me again next time when we will be exploring the topic of the communication about the illness, especially the moment of delivery of the cancer diagnosis, its circumstances and consequences.